Hello and welcome to the Level Playing Field Hello. Podcast, episode 10. Big 10. We made it. 10th episode. Mental. Never thought we, we'd get here. This, this is How are you feeling? crazy, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gassed, man. I'm honestly, I'm so excited. <laughs> I've never been so excited yeah. for an episode before, man. We're in double digits now. And that's a land. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who knew when we started 100%. this podcast, man? <laughs> right. So we've got a lot to cover today. We're doing two albums, Lady Gaga, Chromatica, and Bandana by Freddie Gibbs and Madlib. Classic. An amazing album. And happy birthday to that album. Happy birthday. Turned, yes. turned one on Sunday. Turned one. And Freddie Gibbs has been in the news a bit recently. He's, he's having a bit of a beef with, with DJ Academics. Oh, yeah, he is, isn't he? Who... As far as I can tell, is just this media personality who comments on hip hop. It all started because Academics was calling out Freddie Gibbs on a podcast, I think, and he was going on about how Freddie Gibbs isn't that relevant to today, sales wise. And he was like, "If this conversation was about Nav, I could tell you straight away." <laughs> so you know, yeah. Academics got real taste there. You remember that Brown Boy track of um, Good Intentions? I think Academics mm. co-wrote that. Did he actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the credits. And there's there's a lot of memes about him and 6 9 <laughs> being bum buddies, all that. It's just, yeah, if you're not following Freddie Gibbs on Instagram, we've said this before and we'll continue to say it. Follow it because he's, he's the funniest <laughs> guy. If you have Instagram and not the, following Freddie platform. Gibbs, and what are you doing? <laughs> also, at the level playing field, last week we did a video podcast yes run the jewels definitely go watch that if you haven't Um, change your life yes also on youtube if you just search the level playing field and yeah well we might do another one soon if there's an if there's another landmark album to come out or if we get a lot of demand to see our face again exactly so this week my track of the week is Lockdown by Anderson oh Pack. Time heals all, but you out of time now. Judge gotta watch us from the clock tower. There's been a lot of songs that have come out in the wake of, um, you know, after the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. But nothing has captured, I think, just the general feelings of 2020 in, in a nutshell. This is, yeah, it, it's a time capsule, really. And also, the song's amazing. <laughs> yeah, if you, <laughs> if you never listened to Anderson Pack before, I mean, have we talked about him? Not really, to be honest. He's one of my favourite artists. Mm. It, like, he's he's not got a bad song. I don't think he's physically capable <laughs> of making a bad song. Do you, do you know Anderson Pack? He's, he's, he's a cheat code in music. Yeah, yeah. if you got Anderson Pack on a track, it's good. Hundred uh, percent. Like any feature he's on, they usually get him to do the hook. And he'll just make any tune a banger straight away. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, if you listen to his solo stuff, it's all kind of jazz influenced. It's very much live band stuff. Very soulful. Got some R and B, hip hop in there. If you're a fan of Dr. Dre, you have to have to listen to Oxnard. Essential listening. And and you've had and, the yeah. privilege of seeing him live as well, haven't you? Oh yeah, one of the best live because it it's just. Yeah, live band. He's jumping about on stage, jumping on the drums, jumping back on the stage. You got to. I'm see still it. jealous, man. You saw him on my birthday. <laughs> it's a shame you couldn't come. Yeah. 
I think we should probably also talk about the new Kanye track, just because it's a new Kanye track. So it's called Wash Us In The Blood, and it's featuring Travis Scott. Alright, I, I, I liked it, but being a Kanye track, you kind of expect it to be amazing. Yeah. It wasn't amazing, it wasn't mind blowing, but that just shows like I, I hold Kanye in such high regard, and I feel like in the last few years, yay, I didn't like Jesus is King was very okay I feel like he's starting to plateau basically all of his career he was pioneering new sounds he was inventing genres basically like every album that came out was a completely different sound that he was venturing into and since yeah since yay I really haven't felt he's he's done that at all He's, he's kind of slipped into quite subpar Standard stuff, in my opinion. Um, I think with this track, it was um, I was very underwhelmed by it. I'm seeing a lot of comparisons to Jesus, and I'm not getting any of that. Mm. I feel like Jesus was this maximalist masterpiece, just full of sound and sense and noise, and this is just a bit it's basic. I, I can get where the comparisons are coming from. I think they are right in terms of the vibe and like. The roughness. This it's not something that we've heard of from Kanye since Jesus. This energy. I don't know, but you're saying it was uh, mixed by Dre as well, right? Mm. I don't know, man. Kanye and Dre it on the same sound track. Like Dre, does you it? want something mind blowing? Travis Scott as well. Like his best work <laughs> is incredible, and this should have been incredible. It should have been insane. This track is screaming out for Mike Dean. He's nowhere mm. to be found. Um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed by this track, to be, to be fair. I didn't hate it, but... It sounds like something they've made, like, in the last few weeks. Yeah, it sounds very like quick. it was put together very quickly. I'm sure they've got the maximalist stuff you're looking for. I fucking hope so. But this f- feels like very much a result of the times. I mean, we'll see, won't we? Because he did release that song with Lil Pump. And uh, yeah. that wasn't really reflective of... Of Kitty Ghosts. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. See when the album comes out. Um, I'm interested to see what Dre is like. Because I, I didn't hear him on the... Like, I know you only mixed it. But even in the mixing, it's not what you expect from Dre. It was very rough and very... Yeah, it just sounds a bit... Weirdly meh. mixed. But, yeah. So, yeah. Let's see what the album's like. Please be good. Cool. We had some unfortunate news this week. Jordan Groggs of Injury Reserve sadly passed away. 32 years old, man, four kids. I hate to see it. You know, I, I loved Injury Reserve. Um, I was going to go see him this year, but COVID struck. Yeah, if, if you've not listened to Injury Reserve, go check them out. They're insane experimental hip hop. Freddie Gibbs has been featured on their album. They've collaborated with JPEG Mafia, Amine, all sorts of names. And yeah, definitely recommend giving them a go. Rest in peace. Love for my love for my love for my love for my Today on the Level Playing Field podcast, we have Sways with us. He's an amazing producer, rapper, and 
Well, you do everything, isn't it? Just an amazing artist all round. Thank you, man. How are you doing today, Swayze? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for having me. So, you've you've got an album coming out soon. Yeah, it's coming out this Friday. Um, when you're listening to this podcast, because this will come out on Sunday, it will already be out, so go check that out. Yes, Do you want to tell us a bit about it? It's called Vertigo. So, the name Vertigo, right? The reason I called it Vertigo is at that time in my life, I felt like there was nothing cohesive, right? Not on a deep one, just just on a on a regular level. So right. all the music I was making, I was putting it into different vibes and I felt like it was just not a cohesive feeling. And instead of like backstepping from that and trying to separate it into different projects, I used that as the motive. Do you know what I mean? As a, as a motivator to make right. something that represents a feeling of just stuff that doesn't work well together. That's why on this album, there's like... Chun- channeling emotion. Exactly. That's why on this album here, it's yeah, like yeah. the actual image on the album art is like water. So it's like water, yeah, it, it moves in such a way that it it's not moving yeah, together, yeah, but at yeah. the same time it flows. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so on this album, there's just uh, like cool, loads man. of different vibes. Struggle is all that you got. At least you know you're alive. My bro put masks on and say he done with that life. I tell him that's no way to live, but who am I to decide? He say if you don't like what you see, brother, then close your eyes. It ain't no biggie because everyone does. He tell me that he won a five, but his mum can't look after one. And you're saying like you're working on the concepts. Is it quite a conceptual record? No, it's not. It's, it's not a conceptual record, but I feel like the meaning of it means more to me personally than right. like my other singular projects I've released. Because this is my first album. So, so how would you describe your music generally? If someone said, "What type of music you make? Do you make? What's your go-to answer?" I say, I tr- like, I try and focus more on give, getting across that I'm an yeah. artist rather yeah. than a rapper, because right. I feel like I could tell them I make rap music, right? But in five years, say for example, someone's watching this. In five years, I might be yeah, making yeah, an R and B tune. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't know where it's gonna go because I I prefer making music, yeah. not rap. Do you know what I yes. mean? So like, if you hear some of my beats, some of them are just like, what? What's, it sounds like a singer could be on that. Yeah. Like, so you don't want to pigeonhole as it's like exactly, rap, yeah. rap producer you kind of cross yeah so my answer like, I would answer I would answer them like that I would tell them I like doing loads of stuff here's some of my personal favourite because that's all I can do I can't say you're like this I can say this is my most popular they might not like it I'll say this is the track that means the most to me I, I love you that you've you mentioned think. that about yeah. um, being an artist over being a rapper because we've mentioned this before like, about so many um, other other artists that are coming up like, for example H and like all the other kind of ones that chase trends and then they kind of fall off a bit you know being an artist that's how you yeah. sustain the career versus kind of have your five minutes of fame and then but yeah respect to you man it was a big thing recently with Tyler the Creator when he released Eagle that wasn't really a rap album yet it still gets placed in that category at award shows just because yeah did you see his response of his past. Yeah, yeah. he responded really nicely to that I agree yeah. though I feel like that's where longevity is because if you don't grow with your audience exactly. it's harder for you to sustain that like you have a platform at the end of the day no exactly. one's going to listen to a speech for like four or five hours and never exactly. mind a exactly. career that's four or five years so yeah and how many artists as well that used to be popular like old rappers for instance they're trying to do the same thing now and you see this in like rock and metal and everything they're, try- they're trying to keep that same sound now but it's just gone stale it went stale years ago you know it's all about adapting the sound mm. yeah fully I feel that it's like um, someone I, like, I was going through Instagram and I saw a promotion from the streets right 
And I was like, huh? <laughs> does he still rap? Like, it's a, I don't know if it's a band of Singular Guy, but I was, I was going through it and I was like, I went to his page and it's weird because the only song that I liked was his old style. And all the new yeah. stuff, like he's experimenting and all the new stuff that he has, I didn't feel it as much as I felt that old style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're fit, but you know, classes, you know that man. tune. Like, yeah, and yeah. the new song was in that style and I was like, okay, this is all right. But I could, went to the comments and they were violating him. And I was just, <laughs> But the thing was, you have to keep in mind, he's promoting it to Instagram, mm. which is young people. Yep. If he wanted his target audience, he probably put more money into Facebook. And that, then they were like, yo, this guy's back. And they're happy about yeah, it. So, yeah. so speaking of other artists, you got to ask, what artists got you into music? Uh-huh. And what was the shift from just loving music to wanting to make it yourself? Okay, so I'll, I'll give you an in-depth one for this because nice this is something that I always wonder myself, right? And I remember like the first time I cared, okay, like I've listened to music my whole life. Then the first time I actually cared about a song was when I heard Beautiful by Eminem and I was like, oh, he's oh, actually talking truth. Play, man. That, he's talking truth. truth. Trust. And he was talking <laughs> He was talking truth there and I was like, okay. Um, so people are actually talking in their songs. It's not just a good beat. Then yeah. I went through Eminem's and that's when I went through my like nerdy stage of rap when you're just like fanboying and oh, I went through like that, toy sales. That was me. Well. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should have seen how when you're eight, man. <laughs> what was he yeah, like? I, I told you, um, like, I got Seth into hip hop. He got me into yeah. making it. The the USB I gave him, I gave him a USB with, with <laughs> Marshall Mathers LP on it. It, it, was, it was a few of them. Marshall Mathers, that one hit. <laughs> that one yeah. hit. It was most of his discography. <laughs> it was like, yeah. I I feel like Eminem's like the gateway for most people into hip hop. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. He opens up a massive door. But the yeah. good thing about it, right, is like, especially how I got into him because I listened to his beautiful right, and that was quite recent. That's not even an old song, so to speak about Eminem's career anyway. That was so now I listened relapse, to that song. No, was yeah, that's like twenty ten. Mm. Was it on two thousand nine? But I listened to that, and then I went backwards in his discography. So I was like. Oh, he he's becoming <laughs> even better and better because like over time, I feel like his the way he write his rhyme schemes changed a lot. Yeah. yeah, and the older it got, the more intricate it got for me because I was like it was less commercial at that point, so mm. it was more way more intricate. And I was thinking, whoa, what's this guy doing compared to everyone else? <laughs> and that's mm. why, like, if you hear my old old rap, so if you find my old rap somewhere, you'll hear the rhyme schemes are like internal, external, and they're not as yeah. They're not yeah. as simple as they are now. And my brain just learned to rap like that at that stage. Yeah. And then, yeah, rapping his songs just got me into it fully. Fair enough, man. Definitely. I feel like a lot of people start out like that. Like, if I look back on mine, I've probably got Lyrical Miracle written somewhere. <laughs> 100%. 100%, <laughs> man. Everyone's got that stage. But yeah, he's. I think it's a good gateway. But obviously, there's so much better stuff out there right now. Yeah. And I think Eminem, we're talking about artists trying to hark back to their old sound. Eminem's a good example of like how he 100%. hasn't really progressed. You know something I thought the other day, and like this will this will resonate with you two because because of the way you're speaking about it, I can I can feel it. So Eminem, right? So there's a difference with Eminem and Drake. I realized Eminem plateaued once he didn't speak about his struggle anymore, mm. even though he had struggle. It wasn't the same. Ah, oh, my mum, I'm broke. It wasn't that struggle. But it was yeah. different struggle of dealing with fame that he never really spoke about. Because think about him. He had stress. That's why his music didn't drop, really. You know right. what I mean? He had them. He had that massive yeah, yeah, yeah. period. 
But Drake, on the other hand, listening to truck to the plane to the truck, truck to the hotel, love you, me, I got underground <laughs> garage. So all of that, right? He speak. It's not like people are listening to him and saying it's not relatable. Get out of here. No yeah. one's got mm. jocks of planes. But you hear the song and you apply what you can. Like you pick out things. You're like, ah, oh. definitely, yeah. So like that's what I feel like Eminem didn't do. And I'm trying to like when I see stuff like that, I'm studying. Whenever I see anything, I'm studying. So like I'm a student for anything. I'll look at. I look at that and be like, what's the difference? Mm. Why did, Why is his career streamlined to a point where he's the top now? And Eminem was at the top and easily could have maintained that the way Drake's maintaining his long run. Yeah. Because he was at a point, but then Eminem didn't catch it back after. Drake's very interesting because I'm, I'm, I've always hated his music, but I've always respected how he's he's always managed to stay relevant and stay current. So it's very interesting you, yeah. you mentioned that, you know, he's constantly changing up his subject matter, his style and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, Eminem. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because Eminem's like, he's always recently anyway, in the past decade, he's definitely tried to go more commercial. Mm. And you'd think that would relate in more success, him becoming more popular. I feel like he's plateaued. And whereas Drake's taken over the world, you know. And I think you have weird. to realise how he came up as well, though. Because if, yeah. so for example, say say Eminem did exactly what I just said Drake did, right? We would see it as, oh, now he's switching everything up to pop again. So right. we mm. put Eminem into this little little box now where we're like, yeah. okay, so he can't break out of it. Because whatever he does, someone's going to say, why are you doing this? That's not you. Yeah. Do you know mm. what I mean? Kind we love you for what you did, not what you are. Like Drake made you love him for what he is, not what he was. You know what I mean? Mm. You never, you never love Drake for... Like you love him for his experiences and how he talks about them. Eminem made you love him for his past. And then he's an underdog. You rooted yeah. for Eminem as an underdog, but Drake was never an underdog. He was just <laughs> experiencing it. Yeah. Like, so like my music influence is so strange, right? Because like someone was asking me, how would you explain your sound the other day? Because yeah. I was going to make a song with them and they wanted to know like if we could um, vibe on the same level. And I said to them, the bass is like a recipe. The bass... Is hip hop, right? And then from hip hop, I went all the way back in Eminem's discography, went back to and found Dr. Dre, went all the way up yeah. in his discography and was impressed. And then, I, like, through those songs, I found DMX, Exhibit, all of them. Nice. Okay. And then I, I like, branched out like a tree. <laughs> and that's when I went fully Americanized with my stuff, right? And yeah. then from that, I went from old American music to modern American music. So then my music crossed a certain point to where it's Lil Uzi Verts and, um, Young Thug and Lil Baby and The Baby and now I'm listening to that but still having that appreciation for the old sound Yeah. and then Andrew Scott for you guys who don't know his name uh, Andrew got me into UK rap he was like bruv do UK flows no one's <laughs> trying to listen to that and then I got heavily into UK music so my sound is just yeah. like do you know what I mean Melting it's like pop. the craziest mix so my, yeah. my oh, wait this reminds me one of the songs on the album right the flows on it, like uh, even the flows on cactuses, like it's a classic hip hop type of rhythm, right? Um, patience is then you might catch these fists, might go a little bit better than actresses. Not a hip hop, sorry, that's like a modern ski mask type, type of thing there. But then the first verse goes, not cactuses, more like cacti. Wet them up, they get baptized, don't work it out like a fat guy. 
a rolling stone, I'm a landslide. So it like, goes hard. to the drilliness. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. 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 You might catch this piss. Can't go the better than actresses. I got the drip, I don't practice it. Living on me, only danking it. When I deliver, no matching it. My bro, he deliver, no stamps on it. No the passion, no packages. She called me a prick like cactuses. Pictures is then you might catch this piss. Can't go the better than actresses. I got the drip. Is there an album that you would describe as like that album changed my life? That got me into music. Was there like a defining album for you in your life? Oh, uh, what's that one? Is it 2001? Dr. Dre. Oh, yeah. That definitely got oh, me to yeah. So the thing is, I had an interest. Good I had answer. an interest, but once I stumbled across that album, I was like, <laughs> oh, let me write something. Let me find this beat. Let me just write yeah. it or something. And then that's what got me into because they rapped as friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. On that album, it sounded like friends made it. It didn't oh, sound yeah. like rappers just said, yo, let's be hard. Let's make something that people <laughs> put in the club. Like, nah, it sounds like friends were on that album. So, yeah, that's Definitely. what. That was that was the turning point. That, that's an insane album. Like, I think even us, we can list that as an influence. Absolutely, like, man. That's, I remember hearing, um, like, even just Still Dre, the next episode. You know, I heard those when I had no clue about rap. And I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? This is incredible. I need to learn more. He shaped sounds. Like, he shaped yeah. the Sound. Dr. Dre's those that, synths yeah, those bro the chronic man the chronic the original chronic yeah. that is like one of that, that's like the holy grail for, for all of hip hop yeah. <laughs> um, one song that proper got me gassed is now I got me some juice and gin they all got their yes. cups but they ain't chipped in they ain't chipped in that song there that one that one's nice yeah I went to see it with a friend um, they did at the jazz cafe they did this orchestral rendition of it so they did all the beats with an orchestra. That's got mad. rappers to do it. That, yeah. Wait, the was ra- there was rappers there too. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. I'm pissed. I That's missed so that, cool. man. <laughs> that sounds it, it, nice. It gives you a new appreciation for it. Just like yeah. how musical it actually is. And exactly. Yeah. The, when they when they do like the synth lines with the sax and stuff like that, it's pretty cool. It's easy to get lost in the like. Oh, it's just a drum kit, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, a drum it's kit. It's more just a, than a drum because, kit, man. Yeah, it's, exactly. Because when someone's actually it's, there... It's a personality. And you can put so much more character into instruments than you can. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Wait, I've got another album. Okay, I've got another album. Yeah, I don't even know what it was. Oh, More Life. It's More Life. The reason that was such an influential album... It was not even an album, it's a playlist of songs. And that's what he labelled it as. Yeah, because. Realistically, that, yeah. Yeah, when I heard that album, I was like, bruv, what? Like, how was he talking about so many things? Like, it's weird because it feels like he was collecting them, right? He did a smart <laughs> move marketing, I'll come, I'll come to. But when I heard that album for what it was lyric-wise, some of those lyrics hit you in your chest. And I always say that if my lyric doesn't hit you in your chest, I wrote it wrong. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, I wouldn't write a filler bar because I don't believe in them. Mm. Saying that, there's you, probably you loads You get a of lot happening. of that in... <laughs> Well, a lot of commercial stuff it's just filler it's just there to, to fill the yeah, space yeah 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 100% but, and when I heard that album there's like there's bars you can catch after you've heard the song a couple of times and that's what I love Like those are the best ones definitely Ooh. that's why I like that, that um, playlist because the way it worked isn't like it's not the way music usually works I mean both of us we've never really been into Drake I feel oh. like I'm, I'm I'm starting to turn around on him and get into him more uh, saying that, yeah, I have I have something that agrees with you because I don't like Drake. Realistically, I don't like him, right? But the thing is, if there's a best carpenter in town, right, and I'm trying to be a carpenter, 
I'm going to feel envy. You know what I mean? This and it's only true. a natural thing. <laughs> and seeing him at the top, right? It's not like, ah, oh, I should be there. But it's more like whatever he does is right. Mm. So do you know what I mean? He can just make a, um, he can make a drill pop tune, right? And it's a trend instantly because yeah. there's a reason he's at the top. Like sitting down and listening to his music objectively, you know, you, you definitely see there's a reason he's at the top because he just he can make solid music like 100%. year after year. He knows what he's doing. And um, yeah, his, his consistency is mad. And yeah, we, we, were talk- we talked a lot about, we did his last Dark Lane demo tapes album and we, we're talking about like how he's delving into drill and that kind of thing. And yeah. I felt there's there's a lot of artists like H. I feel like when H does drill, it doesn't actually feel as authentic. It feels like mm. H wouldn't be doing drill if it wasn't such yeah. a trend. Exactly. Whereas I okay. feel like with Drake, he's actually got an interest in the UK scene. And that's why he's doing because he's so big. Does he need to do a drill track? That That's my view on it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting point. He, I think he's doing it he's doing us a favor rather than doing it for himself. Yeah. He's, he's heard something good and he's magpie that he said, yeah, that sound is hard. I can appreciate it because I've seen these documentaries. Mm. I know everyone here lives a similar life and they can feel this sound. So he's just putting in a voice. Like if your friend tells you bad news, it feels better. Yeah. He's just, he's just giving our sound to them so that when people like um, M24 come through, that's a drill rapper. I love his stuff. When he comes through and they hear him and he just goes, oh, you're just like, what? <laughs> because Drake's voice is a soft Canadian voice. Yeah. Okay. Compared to M24's is a harsh British voice. His music's going to slap harder. So if they like that sound of aggression, they're going to hear our music and be like, yo, okay, I- I'm hard. hearing you guys yeah. now. So Fair enough. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way of putting it. I've not, I've, not, I've not thought of it like that. Um, it's interesting that we're talking about Drake and Dr. Dre. Because uh, we had a guy called Fazan come on and he's not an artist, but he's just a massive Drake fan. And he was telling us Drake actually got started writing for Dr. Dre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So apparently he started his career writing for Dr. Dre? Apparently, yeah. Apparently he hated I've not it. Looked into it. Apparently it was just like very kind of mechanical. It was like just sit in a room with a bunch of other writers and try and churn out ideas like, like a kind of mental factory. Mm. And apparently he hated it, <laughs> and then went off to do his own thing. But yeah, I was do you very think he surprised. Learned something from that. that group of writers. Oh Because if yeah, you think definitely. about it, we do the same thing. Yeah. We all do the same thing. Absolutely. We say let's play a beat, let's all write, but we're just not yeah. doing it for a label. Mm, exactly. We're not doing it for a check. We're doing it out of passion. Exactly. And I think that's Drake's issue. It wasn't for passion. It was for the check. Exactly. Like, probably, exactly. Yeah. So we talked about Drake. We talked about Dre. Are there any artists at the moment that you're really into? Yeah, I'm interested, like, right now, okay, so I'll tell you a couple right now that I'm really messing with. And the thing sure. is, I will listen to an artist, I'll binge their music until <laughs> I don't want to hear it for a long time. Yeah. So right now I'm listening to Millions. I just binged M24. Nice. And I like Odd Ads. Odd Ads, yeah, I have a different appreciation for his lyrics. Oh, Young Ads. Because, no, Odd Ads. Oh, Odd Ads. Odd ads. Oh. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, um, the difference with Young Young Ads does, like, Kortuchi music. Odd Ads does, like hip-hop music and like his lyrics they hit you in your chest like you hear his lyrics and you know like some people might not be authentic about their life but he'll give you the types of facts that you would only know if you lived that life Mm. and it's nice because he he's well spoken to a certain degree so even Mm. if you don't understand that life he gives you that like emotional like 
maturity of understanding it. Like Absolutely, you, yeah. You yeah, understand yeah. the lessons. That's one of the best things about hip hop today, I think, is that it gives a lot of people who would otherwise have no clue, like it gives them an insight into their reality. That's like happening like a mm. few miles away. It's absolutely crazy, but I think it's it's like one of the best things to come out of popular culture in recent years. Um, so, oh, dads, I'll, I'll check them out. Check them out. Um, so I want to talk yeah. about genre a bit. So you, you said that you don't want to be pigeonholed, but are there any genres that you want to move more into? And is there one that you would absolutely avoid? That's such a good question. So I want to say techno, right? Just because I've never, I've never vibed with techno music. But something about me never vibing with it really wants me to make a banger right. with it. Do you know what I mean? I I don't view it as my biggest weakness. I view it as my biggest challenge and I want to do it. Nice. But, yeah, yeah. Like at the same time, yeah, I feel like... Mm, that's an um, amazing view. Yeah, I, w- I want to make a techno track, but not at this stage. I'd want to make a techno track when I know like, this is, oh, this is, this is how I'm going to make this work. I don't just want to go into a studio and get bored of it. I want to like... I want to go in with that mindset. Yeah. Like, I can do this. I know exactly. Mm. I need to mm. do this, this, this. Add this snare, add this kick, and it will bang. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like something I've done recently, yeah, is um, start adding drill 808s to random songs. And then that way I can enter different genres with a like staple. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, for example. You see, you get a flavor of both exactly, worlds. Exactly, exactly. And then yeah, these yeah. people, who are, say I made an Adele type tune, yeah, and I'd slap a drill 808 on there. These, these people who listen to Adele are going to be like, oh, I'm like, whoa, what was that? Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. it, it's not in their yeah. world. So like it, <laughs> at the same time, it doesn't just push my music out to them. It drags them into my sound. So it's more yeah. of like them um, appreciating this, the general sound rather than them saying, I like this one tune because he sounds like him or he sounds like her. Yeah. So They're appreciating it for you. Exactly. So I, I like merging my, my sounds. But yeah. One that I, I would never do is for the time being techno. For the time being techno. For the time being. Yeah. <laughs> One that I want to go into is house though. There's this... Um, house. Yeah. So like there's... So we had this mm-hmm. guy called Seth Chohan on and he does house music infused with jazz. That's crazy. It's... I definitely recommend checking yeah. him out because both of us, like, we've never been into house music. Yep. But then you listen to his stuff and he, he brings a new world to it. it it's insane. Like he, he adds some musicality to it and in a way that you don't experience mm. in the club and that mm. sort of thing. So definitely recommend checking him the out. The thing that's interesting with that is he's mixing two genres that are um, like tempo wise. They're so different. Like house is very... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right. And then jazz, yeah. like does it have a BPM? Do you know no, what I mean? It can be anything. That's that's the thing. Yeah. It speeds up, slows down. So for him to do that, right, he's adding like a... Um, so people say use your voice like an instrument. He's doing that with jazz, but to house, which is such an interesting concept. Yeah, I'll, I'll give yeah, him man. a look. I'll give him a look. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Cool. Yeah, you, cool. you are um, the first person on this podcast that, that hasn't said he'd like to move into jazz. Just saying. Nah. I have all the guests so far. <laughs> well, has everyone said jazz? <laughs> Everyone said yeah, jazz. Man. Everyone has said for jazz. Jazz for me just helps me relax and I, I like to keep it like that. Like yeah. there's certain things that I wouldn't want to go into just because it's like mm. it's for me, like for example, I love reggae music, right? And I have no yeah. problem making a reggae tune. But like it's just yeah. it's like one of those work and and pleasure things, you know what I mean? You're just like oh, 
fucking busting some reggae. Just chill out. And I can vibe yeah, to yeah, it. Definitely. I can vibe to it. So I like it like that. So you're you're a big producer. We do this segment, right, every week. It's called Technique of the Week. Mm-hmm. Seth will think of like the most wackiest, weird technique you can think of. For example, we have had the cat bass, which is basically if you're if you're in a cat, you record your cat purring, and then you sample that, you loop it, and then you stick it out on your keyboard. And then boom, you got a bass. Yeah. And then you can So have you got any weird techniques? It can be something that you use, something that you'd like to do. Any weird technique that you can show. I've got with us? I've got one. I've got one. So I could be doing anything, right? I could be walking down the road and my watch hits uh a like bike bike rail like where you lock your bike, right? And I'll be like, right. that sound like a perk. And I'll just get my iPhone <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I'll get my iPhone out yeah. and I'll do it again. And I'll do it with all types of noises because Certain like it's usually perk noises though. It's it's not that's percussion. It's usually perk noises, not snares or kicks. Yeah. Because like for example, do you know what I mean? You can have any type of that's perk music, noise. man. You can make any type of thing a, a sound. So I try and sample stuff like that. I'm really into sampling, by the way. So like I love I love that's sampling. Sick, yeah. man. You know, um, on the on the first episode, the technique was um, this is a banging one. It's um, if you go to the gym, yeah. And you clank the weights back on the rank, back on the rack. That's like the, the best snare like ever Is in it? the world. <laughs> yeah, trust me, man. That's Next, jokes. like, trust me. When when I'll the gyms open up, yeah. Out, when yeah. the gyms open up, man. <laughs> Soon come, hopefully, man. Hopefully soon. Yeah. So I want to get like a Zoom microphone oh, and mate. just walk around the town, find some weird sounds. I, I met with like a professional recorded field engineer who does that for a living. He has all these Zooms and different equipment and he, he walks around with headphones on, finding sounds. Like, That's such a cool he, job. Got, That's such a cool job. <laughs> he, he can like, if there's a drain, right, he's got this mic, which it looks like, what's that thing at the hospital they put on your chest? Like the sticky things. He'll put it on a, on a drain and Stethoscope. he can record the sound of the water. Like, That's yeah, so like cool. that. He can record the sound of the water going down the drain. Just with, with this microphone, it's, it's mad. That's fucking crazy, That's man. <laughs> it's kind of like, I love that whole principle of, of, of everything being music. Yeah, it's just like, how just you everything. use it. It's just how you exactly, use it. Exactly, exactly. Even and like Foley and film is... and stuff, for example. Like you got yeah. a watermelon smashing. That's like, that's someone's head exploding. Yeah, And you yeah. can do that with, and... with anything, man. Music, <laughs> concrete as well. It's all, yeah, that's, that's the best. Yeah. That's the best thing. I'm glad you said that, man. And creating your own sounds as well. Everyone can get a drum kit up and stick those in. That's not great. If you create your own sounds, that's unique. No one else exactly. has that. Sometimes what's quite interesting is layering your sound, the sounds you've made, right? Yes. And the thing is, yeah, the yeah, more technical yeah. you get about it, the more beautiful it is. Because exactly. like, for some people, they're just like, why would you... Man, just use this. You got the Metro Booming Kit here. Just use it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Everyone's but got the Metro Booming Kit, man. That's it. Everybody has it. Exactly. And I want a sound, mm. yeah. Like for example, I'll give you an example that's that's quite good. So um when everyone's using normal drums, right? When X um on one of X's songs, before the drop, instead of using a um backward symbol like everyone would use or riser, he used a reverse kick. Okay. And what that did is it did a frequency sweep and then he acapellaed the drop for before the last beat. So then it go boom. And then because it's a heavy beat, that quick little yeah. Because of that frequency sweep, you hear it in your headphones and it goes, it's like something shooting past you super quick. Yeah. And that's a new yeah, type man. of drop he just invented, which was sick. 
So I feel like once you, mm. you can innovate and change, do you know what I mean? So that's what I like. Yeah. Respect, man. So that's, that's, yeah. I've got another question for you. Um, it's about live music. So are you big into live music, be that going to gigs um, yourself or doing them? Will we be able to see you performing some gigs in the near future when the live circuit? When the live circuit yeah. opens back up. 100%, 100%. I love live music. I like going to watch it. So I usually go to open mic night, so I do both at the same time. I'll be watching it. I'd be like speaking to people, just getting to know them because I love knowing artists before I watch them perform because mm. even if you've just met them, because I feel like, okay, I know you generally now. Let me see what the thoughts in your head that you wouldn't tell people and that's what you really see when mm. you see someone perform, depending what song they're performing. But... Yeah, you will see me performing because especially now, the nice. issue with me was that I'd, I had two songs on my Spotify, right? And that was, I released one um, a, like almost a year ago, then one nine months ago. Since then, I had no songs to perform. I had loads of stuff on my YouTube, but that was stuff that I could perform and then say, yeah, if you go to my YouTube link and then drop <laughs> like 500 letters, mm, at yeah. which point it's counterproductive because you need to make it convenient. Yeah. But Absolutely. yes, yeah, now yeah, that yeah. Vertigo's coming, tracks are gonna be there. So stuff to play. Yeah. Nice one, man. So we we asked this to a lot of people, and I think you've done probably the best out of everyone in terms of marketing. And um, because we find that it's really hard, especially in this lockdown where Instagram's full of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's hard to get know, your name out there. What uh, advice can you share to us and to everyone about? getting your name out there, getting people listening to your music? I feel like, so, people say stay persistent, right? And mm. I disagree. I feel like you should stay relevant rather than persistent because, mm. right. so for example, say I, I was pushing my, my next album, right? And I let you know two months in advance, hey, my album's dropping in two months. And if you go through my chat, right, people you're promoting it to, do you want them to listen to your song but you don't speak to them? So when they scroll through mm. the chat, hey, I'm dropping a project. Hey, I'm dropping a project. Have you yeah. listened to this? Do you know what I mean? It's it's such a fake type of conversation you're having with them. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So I feel like that there's no easy way to do it. Honestly, what you have to do is you have to care about the people who listen to music because they care about you. Mm. So Genuinely. Exactly. Like, it's not just a, hey, how's exactly, you been? It's been a while. Exactly. It's literally like, it can be as simple as going through their stories and saying, what's this recipe? That looks, that looks peng. I need that recipe. and But like <laughs> stuff, that's stuff I do because I want to know the recipe. You need to find exactly. stuff. Like if someone posts yeah. a picture with their car, say, what car is that? What are those rims? Those are sick. I need them. Do you know what I mean? Stuff you care about. That's, it has to be stuff yeah, you, you have care. to be genuine about exactly. it. I think, yeah. that, I think this is something that doesn't really get stressed enough. Um, and it's kind, of, it's kind of the general life thing as well. Is like, I think there's a lot of people that kind of pretend like, to like something will pretend to care about someone when really deep down they don't give a shit and it's just for self-game. I think when yeah. you can reach that point of being being real about it, being genuine, I think that's when the, the actual rewards start to come back to you as well. It's the whole principle of karma and all of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's fucking great that you mentioned that, man. I also feel like being... Um, so whenever you... like, Say you're going through your feed, right? It's yeah. just as relevant. Like, say me, like we both follow. I'm just bait, right? If I comment on it, my comments coming on your screen in the two comments you see. 
Because no one's just commenting. Like, no one's commenting anymore. They're just tagging. So I, I wouldn't comment yeah. it unless I tagged you. But if I just commented generally, it would apply to everyone. And whoever sees it would be like, ah, that's true. Like, right? And the thing is, if they like it, you're more likely to see it as, as a follower of me, right? So hmm. when you're going through your feed, just react because you're reacting in your brain. And you're doing it anyway. All it takes is like maybe five seconds, if that. And I'll say, oh, yeah, that looks jokes. Do you know what I mean? Or I'd be like, man yeah. said this, what? And then just laughing emojis, just <laughs> anything. Because like yeah. I've said, you know my, my album's coming out, right? If you see my name in my feed, you're going to say, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, his, his thing's dropping. I don't yeah. even need to promote it. Mm. You know so it's coming conscious. out. It's yeah. there, it's in your head already. Yeah. You know it's coming out. You'll say, oh, I haven't seen his name in a while. Let me just check what he's doing. And then you might go on my story yeah. even. I, I, it's to a point where I'm not like, check this out, check this out, check this out. <laughs> and it can just be, and if you go through our convo, it's like, oh, what's this recipe? What are you doing? Oh, do you know what I mean? Where'd you get these shoes from? Yeah. And it's not just me trying to promote because I realized that's what I was doing in the beginning and it just wasn't working for me. It just, it was like, if you're not going to be genuine, no one's going to be genuine to you. And if you do get any interaction with them, it will be like, oh, I heard your song is good. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, yeah. it's yeah. not like when's your next stuff coming out? When Because you're <laughs> not used to having convos with them. They don't want to have convos with you. So, Yeah, because you, you've tried like lots of different things. Like I've, I'm sure that you're into like doing tight beats for, for YouTube and that kind of stuff. How, how have you found that? Because that gets like a bad rep, doesn't it? Like tight beat producers. How, how have you found, found like delving into that world? And what, what do you find is great from it? So I feel like, Type beats, right? Uh, so this is this is such a weird one because when I started rapping is when type beats blew up. So I right. I came into the scene living off type beats, right? <laughs> so this is just yeah. when they were popularized, and there was a point when they weren't popular. So type beats mm. became a thing, and now it's only type beats because they become a thing. It's a trend. They're gonna go soon. I, I can see it in the future. They'll they'll be gone again, yeah. and then it will be melodic type beat. Do you know what I mean? Like, not even though yeah, it's a type, yeah. it's more of a mood. Melodic beat with piano. It'll be like that type of title. Because that's what it was before. And when I came onto the scene rapping, I found type beats. So when I produced, I made type beats. And then I realized I was making beats off emotion, not saying Drake would rap on this. And that's when I was like, okay. Right. That's why in if you check um, one of my beats, there's a Jay Huss beat I have called uh, Pharmacy. I even write in brackets, I'm doing, I'm trying to do both now. I'm trying to say, okay, before you even click on this beat, just know the vibe it is. This is the vibe. Yeah. So if you don't like Jay Hush, you're like, well, I do like this vibe though. So I feel like <laughs> producing wise, no harm can come from it, but I don't think it's going to last very long. There is, there's definitely a market for those those beats. You know, there's loads yeah. of rappers that come up. They don't know producers. They want to find instrumentals. But I think going off emotion is so much so much better and you get so much unique creations come of that yeah. I think that's that's really great what you said I think that's that's probably the way forward right so the last segment we have is a quick fire Q&A so it's just going to be okay. back and forth All one right. two not got too many questions but yeah it's, let's go right three two one what's your favourite colour blue pineapple and pizza yes or no no Tea or coffee and what brand? Coffee? Uh, no, tea. Chai latte. I don't know the yeah, brand. good. <laughs> that, that was a nice answer. Right, iPhone or Android? iPhone. iPhone. Uh, okay. Opinions <laughs> on Marmite? I hate it. I don't like it. Wrong. 
favorite TV show? This is a very quick fire, I know, but I don't really watch TV. So my answer right now is one of the many animes. Avatar, Avatar, Avatar is the Avatar. one I've enjoyed okay. most recently. All right, I will say that was correct. Overall, you, you did all right. Not not the best. We've had better, but I'm, I'm afraid had I don't better. think you passed, passed that. Yeah. How can I get no, these you, questions you, wrong? You, you failed because of wrong? the Marmite no, Marmite question, the test, did I Firstly, Marmite, right, is for demons. <laughs> no one likes that. Okay, Bro. all right. We're going to have to kick That's why they now. sell it in so small amounts. They don't rate it. End they the don't rate now. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thank you for having me, by the way. You are wrong, mate. Eat it by the spoon. <laughs> no, nah. you've been an amazing guest. <laughs> Thank you. I'd like, love to come again. honestly. Yeah, with any time. Thank you. Vertigo out on Friday. So by the time you hear this, it's out. So go check it. Every store. It's an amazing album. Go follow him on Instagram at Sways1. So our first album today is Chromatica by Lady Gaga. Now, this is a number one album. It's been out for like a month and it's still doing numbers. Mm. So we felt we may as well review it. Um, yeah. Have you listened to Lady Gaga before? I mean, who hasn't really, isn't it? It's <laughs> kind of been inescapable. Yeah. Like as, as we were growing up, she was on the radio constantly. She's had some huge tracks, man. Year six discos. <laughs> Classic. Can't escape her, man. <laughs> uh, Bin Weevils. Have you ever played Bin Weevils? <laughs> I've not, but I know the game. It, it's like Club Penguin, but like these weird <laughs> bin insects. <laughs> and I remember for some reason her music was played in that constantly. Claim to that's, fame. That's, that's weirdly where all my memories of Gaga come from. <laughs> yeah so fair enough I haven't listened to her in probably a decade fair enough man so yeah I mean th- this album I-, I was not too passionate about I r- kind of struggled to get into it and whilst there were some tracks that I enjoyed I think this really isn't targeted towards me recent years Lady Gaga has done bits there was a Star is Born, which was the film with Bradley Cooper. I've Did not you seen watch it. it. I've not seen it myself, but everyone else on the planet seems to have. It's, it seems um, to be like this <laughs> phenomenon. This, this in, like you couldn't avoid it. Except I don't know anyone who has watched it. I mean, even my parents have watched it, which surprised me. Oh really? Um, I I don't know anyone who's watched it. But yeah, that <laughs> there was a soundtrack album to go with that. That's done quite well. Um, she also yeah. got on stage with Metallica at the Grammys a couple of years ago. Mm. And um, James Hetfield's mic actually stopped working and he had to share her mic, which I right. thought was quite funny. So search it up on YouTube um, if you've got any free time. But yeah, I mean, Lady Gaga, I feel like she's always been a bit of a, a pop visionary in the sense that she's always been very theatrical. But that's kind of the impression I get from her, her, her persona. That said... I know pretty much fuck all about her. So I'm pretty much going into this album blind. So looking at the album cover, first of all, and knowing kind of roughly Lady Gaga as a personality, I was expecting like some dark kind of sonic underworld, some really weird twisted shit for her to come out with. That's what I was expecting. That's what I was hoping for. Um, Thing is, so I I placed her in the same category as Sia. 
where she's really weird but wouldn't do anything that's not commercial like hmm. it's it's more anything she does it's more to get attention than for the artistic vision i feel like recently though i, I had a flick through some of her recent albums she had some album called art pop which was mm. like some really weird edm shit and then the album after that was called you, and that was but just some singer songwriter that was, shit. That was 2013. EDM was the craze then. This is get, true. Like, this is Skrillex true. was like everyone that was a good point. Yeah. In five years, well, Skrillex is poignant because he's all over this album. But everyone thought in five years the world would be owned by Skrillex and dubstep <laughs> would have taken over. And but that clearly aged quite badly. Yeah. But that album, I think is a product of its time fair enough fair enough i watched her deluxe spotify thingy called welcome to chromatica which is basically the album but with like an extra two minutes of her speaking because mm. basically the album's split up into three segments and they're all broken up with these orchestral segments and yeah it's basically her talking and breaking down the meaning of each part it, it, it didn't feel very passionate man it felt very dreary it felt mm. like she was just doing it because she could should, should we get into the tracks then because I got a bit about that yeah let's do it man so you mentioned the the theatrical kind of instrumental pieces yes I mean the first one's one minute long they're all really really short and it feels like it's trying to set up this grandiose theatrical album. Exactly. It comes off more like the intro to a Disney film. <laughs> uh, see, I, I, hear, I hear that. I hear what you're saying, but I actually quite liked them. I thought they were yeah, really good. Okay. I thought as far as interludes go, they sounded very lush. They were, I thought they were very cinematic, quite like a Disney film. I thought they were, they were quite beautiful. They sounded really good. And I didn't I'm, think I'm there was anything to dislike. Like... Like if you had some dramatic opening and then you dip straight into Mickey Mouse, that's <laughs> that's what I'm feeling <laughs> on this. Like they they were fine, but they were one minute. In terms of the context of the album, did they serve much other than breaks from Lady Gaga? Mm, yeah, but you like, say that, but but with the 1975 album where they had all the big ambient interludes, was... those were a few minutes long, and they just felt out of place and pointless. So I feel like at least she's kind of sticking to the not the, I, kind of the I, sort of the formula, something that works in the context of a pop album. I preferred those because I felt like they felt better as pieces on their own. Mm. Like they weren't amazing, but they did feel like you could listen to this song on its own and it stand, stands up. See, I, I think you're looking at them the wrong way because I would say that all three of these orchestral bits lead in very nicely to the next tracks. So they're, they're almost, so instead of being standalone pieces, you should look at them as like precursors to the track that follows. Right. Alice, which is the first proper track on this album, mm. I thought this was a great first track. I, I really enjoyed it. I heard it. I thought, this is good. Straight away, lets you know what you're getting into. There were a lot of like 90s kind of house and trance vibes which carry through the whole of the album. Yeah. And I just thought it was a very solid track. 
I thought the hook was very catchy, production was great, and yeah, no, no problems with it. How about you? So, letting you know what you're getting into is right, because I wasn't really a fan of this one. <laughs> the main vocal, like the chorus, it was like she, she says it with such conviction. She says, My name isn't Alice, but I'll keep looking for Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. And when I heard that, I was like, What the fuck is she on about? Is her real name Alice? No, it's not. Alice in is Wonderland. Is there any man. deeper meaning behind this? Yeah, oh, oh, oh yeah, I got, I got that reference. Don't worry. That's, <laughs> that's not. I'm talking about like, it's, she says it with such conviction and like, you have to. You assume there's some greater meaning behind it. We we came from Run the Jewels last week. If they're repeating something loudly in your face, it's like look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. It's there's layers to it. To this, I re- I read in an interview. She says uh, about this. My name isn't Alice. She goes. It's a weird experience where I'm going. I'm not sure I'm going to make it, but I'm going to try. That was her explanation of this lyric. I feel like a lot she, of these pop stars kind of put on the, the mysterious persona. Um, the fuck does that mean? Just, just like, to appeal it, to, it to teenagers. Uh, I want to be a bit it's edgy. It's so vague and has, <laughs> it has no meaning to it. I'll I thought the track was up. good though. This is the point where I turned off my lyrics brain completely. So I don't have any other notes about any other lyrics because this annoyed yeah. me so much that I thought okay it's not worth my time the production's pretty nice I like that it's, it's got like an analogue feel to it even though it's all like synthetic instruments yeah I, I, I did like that it's, it's like you said it's, it's harking back to the 90s it's not trying to be super crisp dubstepy you know like overproduced it's still got some grit in there yeah and I think it's um, a testament to the producers on it I'm not going to lie to you, I think when I was listening to this album, I wasn't, for most of it, I wasn't really paying attention to the lyrics. Um, mm. Oh, it was mostly just Lady Gaga, her presence and the production and everything. I thought this was a great opener, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I really liked the chorus. I thought her voice, she was establishing it as a very strong presence. I thought her producers were just flexing on this track as well. I think mm. sonically it sounded great and it felt like I just stepped into this kind of 90s underworld and yeah i I enjoyed it but then we went on to track three stupid love and yeah yeah, i I fucking hated this one there was this very very annoying vocal chop throughout and the kind of dreaminess and the intrigue of chromatica one and alice just just wore off Mm. and this track is only three minutes but it feels like it goes on forever oh i really wasn't feeling this album like these first two tracks I was like not into it at all. This this just feels like what you expect, and it is annoyingly catchy. That's how I describe it. It's 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 a vibe. It's hard to explain, but it's like one of those kind of forcefully uplifting pop tunes. Yeah, no, it's it's like artificially happy. Yeah, artificially designed by a committee to be catchy. Yes, exactly. Stuck in your head. Exactly. It's yeah, stupid love, stupid pop song. (laughs) I thought the synths, I mean, again, this is going to carry on throughout the whole album, but I thought the synths sounded incredible. You know, you've got the Juno, the Moog, whatever else they're using. Mm. But yeah, as a song, it's not doing anything for me. 
And to be fair, that's that is a positive for this album on on the whole, in that the production is great on every track. So yep. I can I can critique them on the songs themselves. But yeah, we really didn't like this one. It was shit. The next one, Rain on Me. This is like the big track. This is the biggest song on the album. Yeah, Ariana Grande feature. And I really liked her on this. I thought her vocals were great. I liked their back and forth in places. I'm not a huge fan of Gaga's, you know, her weird electro pop, I am a robot voice. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah I know you talk. <laughs> I, I feel like that sounds a bit gimmicky and it's, it's a bit dated now, to be honest. I think yeah, dated's a good word because you had this, this big instrumental house drop with these annoying vocal drops again, carrying on mm. from Stupid Love. And I, I didn't like this one, man. It's just either. with those vocals, I feel like she's done nothing to advance them, nothing. It, it doesn't mm. play especially well with the instrumental. It just feels like it's there. I thought she does them. Of, of all the songs in this album, this was definitely the most the most forced and definitely the, the most artificially poppy. This was the poppiest song on this album, I yeah. thought. Um, I mean, it shows I, with the numbers, um, but the lyrics are very cheesy, very dumbed down. Mm. The, the, the instrumental was incredibly generic. It's got Ariana Grande, so obviously it's going to do numbers. She's a streaming magnet. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't like this one. Like I said, uh, I wasn't looking too much into the lyrics at this point. The beat was fine. It was decent. I think it's it's an all right track, but it had me going back to like Dua Lipa, some of the other pop albums that we covered, and like Dua Lipa, Charlie XCX. I feel like they're doing this synth pop sound so much better at the moment. Oh yeah, like you 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 put them side by side, and I feel like there's no contest at the moment. It's really interesting you mentioned Dua Lipa because when I was listening to this album, that was pretty much the benchmark upon which I was measuring this. And mm. even though they're two completely different styles, I say that because Dua Lipa was Future Nostalgia was easily the best pop album I've heard in recent years. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great reincarnation of classic sounds in a modern context. Yeah. This feels like it's trying to do that with the 90s and that kind of whole house scene. But it, it doesn't feel new. It doesn't feel special. And that, that's, that was one of my big gripes with this whole album. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I think Gaga's been around for a while and I don't think she's kept the same experimentation. Like she's gone back and done some singer-songwriter stuff that we talked about. Mm. But really, I don't think she's kept up with the times as well as the new artists that are coming out. Ariana Grande can keep up to date with new sounds. She like she can do a trap song. She's shown with Seven Rings. This this sounds like Lady Gaga's in her kind of wheelhouse of sounds. It doesn't sound especially new for her. That's fair. It doesn't sound special. It doesn't sound unique. Like it's definitely got influence from the nineties era and house and all of that. But I really don't think that's too outside of her wheelhouse of what she was doing a decade ago. That's true, man. I would have preferred it if she did some really heavy, weird industrial shit. But mm. that's not going to appease the mass market, though, is it? I, I really think, like, if you liked her old albums, you're going to like this one. It it doesn't push the boat out enough for me. 
the next track that I wanted to talk about was 911. Now, this is a continuation of Chromatica 2, the second orchestral interlude. And this was probably my favorite track on the album. Definitely one I, of the highlights. Yeah, I thought the production was really great. The, the chorus lyrically is probably the only lyrical moment that stood out to me. I quite like the 911 reference. Um, it took me a yeah. while to get it, but it's basically she's talking about the pills that she's taken yeah, yeah. being an so emergency I, resort for her, like 911. I said a lot of the hooks on here are very repetitive, right? That's mm. kind of what you're going to expect on a pop record. But here I feel like the repetitiveness serves a purpose. Exactly, exactly. It's showing again and again, just going back to these drugs. A monotonous replay of thoughts. Exactly, yeah. I thought that was done very well on this. The production felt a bit more experimental on here. It's a lot more interesting. Definitely. Um, I really like the bridge. It was kind of reminding me of, I don't know if you've listened to Melanie Martinez much. No, no Kind no, of had her, her kind of tinge to it. And yeah, it's an overall solid tune. Yeah. One of the better ones on this album. I really enjoyed this track. Driving production, great melodies, lyrics, cleverly written. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it. The next song that stood out to me was Sour Candy. Now this features Blackpink and Blackpink are a K-pop girl group and their actual music is pretty much what you would expect from K-pop in the sense that it's very engineered, very formulaic and subsequently extremely popular. They did a feature on Dua Lipa's first album, so it's not their first foray into the Western pop world. But the song itself is actually pretty good. I didn't mind it. I think, again, one of the better songs in this album. I thought the production was really good. It kind of struck a balance between simple and intricate. Catchy yeah. hook. I think, um, as well, is that their voices are, yes, extremely manufactured. But the fact of the matter is, so are the majority of popular artists. So you may as well make it sound good. And I think they've done that here. I had nothing against the vocal performance on this. I thought they were great. They added a new flavor to the album, which was sorely needed. Yeah, I, I really like this one. I had nothing much more to say about it. I think the, the instrumental was maybe a bit too housey for my taste. But again, a lot of people like that. This was the most and popular yeah. song after Rain On Me. Oh, really? Um, which completely makes sense on paper yeah it's, it's one of those songs that you'll probably get bored of after rinsing it enough times but i think <laughs> it is definitely done what it's intended to do really well yeah i don't there's it's nothing mind-blowing about it but equally nothing to hate it's a standard pop song yeah nothing bad about it so the next track is enigma and i just wanted to say very quickly you know that this track has very strong powerful vocals she did an amazing performance, and I don't think you can deny that. But my problem with it, really, is it's just so fucking repetitive. Like, we came from 911, where it was done really well, and that it's that repetitiveness served a purpose. Here, it just feels like she's trying to force this into being an anthem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's, true. Yeah, it's, it's like, after figuring that out, when I listen back to the song, it just feels like, I'm going to make this an anthem and no one can stop me. <laughs> it just feels... <laughs> and then she did yeah. the vocals. So basically saying it feels kind of artificial. Yes, 
very much so. I thought it was one of the more forgettable tracks on this album, to be honest. Yeah. Now, the next one's Replay. Which thing of this? I actually quite enjoyed this one again. The production on this was interesting because it takes like nearly a minute for the drop to hit. But it's yeah. done very well because it takes so long for the bass to come in in full force. They, they've had to basically build it to keep you engaged until that point. And that's not yeah. an easy thing to do without quality songwriting and arranging skills. Mm. But I think they've done a really good job here. This was my favorite track on the album. Mm. There's an energy on this why. that's lacking throughout the rest of the album, I felt. It's just like straight away, <clears throat> there's so much men- energy to it. The vocal melodies are amazing. Like I thought they were really well done. They're really catchy. Production just plays really well with Gaga. Love this track. What I got from this one as well is that Gaga sounds like she's having a lot of fun on this one. Yes. Which isn't really coming across on the others. Oh yeah. That, um, maybe that's, so, yeah, that's what's this. contributing to that to that energy that I'm talking about. Absolutely, just, yeah. It is yeah, it's got something that I feel like is missing in a lot of the other tracks. Soul. Yeah. Right. So now let's go on to Sign from Above with Elton John. Now this is the first track in segment three, coming after Chromatica three. Mm. Um and this leads on really, really nicely from the orchestral bit. And the song itself is good for what it is. It starts off really nice, quite ambient. But for me, as it built and when the drop hits, it just felt really over dramatic and cheesy. Yeah. And Elton John, we have to talk about Elton John in this track. Oh dear. Right. Th- this song, yeah, it's got the rocket man himself, yeah. The man's a fucking legend, right? No one can mm. take that away from him. But he doesn't sound good. No. He sounds he, he sounds, sounds so forced and strained. Yeah. I think he, he can just start to get a pass because he's Elton John. And that's it. <laughs> I could imagine this this bit was written for someone else. Like I can imagine it being written for Adam Levine or someone like that, you know? Just another male vocalist. And then Elton John was like, Oh yeah, I want to be on your album. <laughs> and she's like, shit, where do you where do I put you? And then like, Elton oh John. yeah, you can just hop on this one. I mean It doesn't feel yeah. like it's built around Elton John. Feels yeah, like you said, Elton John's forced in here. So if it was classic Elton John, then it'd be sick. Yeah. But this sounds like decade old pop. Yeah. Elton it, John it just, just doesn't work, to be man. I think at this point in Elton's career, he's got nothing to prove. I mean, he should just retire now, right? How old yeah, is he? Yeah, he should make. Out? I think he should. He should either make his peace, just make his peace with the industry, or or just he do whatever the fuck he wants. Should have done that song with LP that we talked about last week. Oh yeah, he should have. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear that, man. Yeah, it's, LP. it's a really poor use of Elton John. He did a track recently with Jack White. Did he? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a couple years ago now. But I definitely recommend checking that out because that's just him on the piano Jack White on acoustic guitar live recording that's what you want not yeah. like overproduced yeah that's it isn't it yeah what I was saying about him kind of making his piece with music is more kind of over commercialized stuff yeah no, I don't he, think he, he needs need that anymore. Pop anymore yeah he needs to just he's, fuck he's around his and do his own status. thing exactly he, 
he can do some live recordings with Jack White and do some LP stuff. Definitely. He doesn't need to be on this. Exactly, exactly. I also really wanted to talk about the outro in this song because that's something that, st- right. that stuck out to me. Now, I-, I didn't mind the outro. I thought it was all right. But I feel like mm. I know exactly where they've gotten the idea for this, whether they've admitted it or not. And I know I, I asked you about this and you said you don't necessarily agree. But there's mm. a Bjork song called Crystalline off the album Biophilia. It's a fucking great right. song. I love Bjork. The outro for that song does a similar thing in that it kind of has this crazy fast switch up and it goes super experimental yeah. and drum and bassy, but it's much better, much crazier, and much more convincing. And it's one of the most insane things that you will ever hear. So if I didn't know that song when hearing this song for the first time, I would have enjoyed mm-hmm. it a lot more, but it feels like a much more watered down attempt at the same thing. I feel like there are a lot of comparisons between Lady Gaga and Bjork. And but personally, I don't think there's any contest. No, I, I think any comparisons are very surface level because Lady Gaga, she, she's got this image of her being like weird and stuff, but really anything she's ever done is kind of an attention grab in my Pandas opinion. to the mainstream. Yeah, it's it's more any weirdness that she's portrayed has been more of a marketing strategy than an artistic choice. Yes, well, that's it, yeah, nail on the head. And completely the opposite for Bjork. She's full-on fucking weird. She does whatever the fuck <laughs> she wants. I love her for yeah, it. 100%. And I don't think you can make any real comparison there. I, I fully agree. I think Bjork's always been on her own planet. And yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, she's come out with some of the craziest shit I've ever heard. And it always feels very genuine. And that's the key word. Gaga mm. doesn't, like you said, pandering to the charts. In terms of this song, I feel like Lady Gaga probably said to her producer, can you take us out of the song with some drums? And then the producer was like, yeah, cool. I'm going to flex on this. <laughs> like fucking weird drums. And then with Bjork, it feels a, a lot more thought out. It feels a lot more like this is an experience that she's taking you on. It's it's weird. I said it's it's dubstep. It definitely has got some dubstep influences in there. It's not. It is not mm. dubstep. It's just got like bits of bass. I'd say more industrial. In similar ways, yeah. But yeah, like the, you can draw the comparisons, but I don't think this is copying that. I feel like the producers have shown that they're incredible on this album. The production, I can't say it enough. Mm. It's really good. It sounds amazing. And it is a, it's a lot of EDM, Skrillex is all over this. Uh, who's the main guy? Blood Pop. Well, it, yeah. All EDM producers mainly. But the reason I, I think that Crystalline was in mind is that I think that the producers wanted it and originally had it much longer much more abrasive, much more experimental. And the label just told them, nah, keep it chart friendly. And so they so. and so they watered it down. I don't know if it works like that. I'm pretty sure the producers know what they're going for. I think the label with. does have some saying power over the music itself. I don't think they'd go straight out, change that drum solo, make it a bit more mellow, because then it would be completely changed. I don't know. If you've got like a minute long outro, that's super experimental. And you want this to be a number one album. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Song Without and John's going to do numbers and you don't want to turn people off. 
I guess so. But yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So now, finally, let's go on to Babylon. Now, this is the last track on the on the album, and I actually thought this was a really good closer. Yeah. The song's about gossip, um, Babylon, Babel on. It's a little, little homophone there, but the beat yep. feels very triumphant. Gaga sounds like yeah. she's expressing herself the best on any song of this album, and it feels like the most yeah. legitimate self-expression amongst all the 16 tracks and I'm very glad that this is the closer Dua Lipa takes some notes <laughs> there, there was a really cool sax line in this there was this kind of gospel choir and this it's a convincing track yeah it sounds like a synthesized sax rather than an actual sax to me but yeah it's got these classic keys mm. it's yeah brilliant closer right so overall this was a very mixed bag I thought yep one of the reasons, as I said, that I enjoyed Future Nostalgia was the modernization of sounds and vibes that we all know and love, mostly from the 70s and 80s. Now, Chromatica yeah. feels like it was trying to do the same thing, but with 90s kind of trance and house styles. And yeah, as I said, all my criticisms have to do with the songs and not the production. Because even on the tracks that I didn't like, for example, Stupid Love, they sounded great. It was it was a very well-produced album but most pop albums are exactly i think here there there were elements of experimentation but for me it didn't push the boat out enough lady gaga's previous work is kind of in this realm anyway it's delving more 90s than ever Mm. but i i feel like it's not a far cry from what she was doing a decade ago I think just going off the production as well, it sounds so weird to say, but I I feel like that's to the album's detriment in some ways because it's a case in point, for example, on Enigma, where the production outshines the singer. And Mm. one of the reasons that I really liked Alice was because it really puts Gaga center stage and the production kind of helps push her forward as opposed to outshining her. But I don't think that goes throughout the album. Yeah, on replay, I felt like it was a good balancing act. Yeah. Like they, they were working alongside in unison. Exactly. On a lot of these tracks, it feels like they're fighting each other. Yes. Yeah, that's it. That's it. The other thing, as I said at the start of this review, going in to the album, I was hoping for this kind of super dark Sonic Underworld. And I, I was getting that from Alice and the intro. But yeah, as the album progressed, that just went out of the window. But yeah, just going off the features, I thought Ariana Grande felt very superficial. Elton John didn't sound good. And weirdly, Blackpink was probably the best feature on here. I thought... Didn't think I would wait, say you that. say Ariana Grande didn't sound good? I thought she just sounded like she was there just because she's going to bring in the numbers. No, I, I thought her vocals were pretty good. I, th- I thought she did well on this album. For me, Elton John was a big disappointment. Yeah. His feature was not great. Um, but yeah, I, I like the other two features. Also, I mentioned Stupid Love feeling very kind of forcefully happy. I think that goes for a lot of the album. I don't like that kind of forceful, feel-good pop music because it just comes off as cheesy and artificial. It's like what we talked about on, uh, was it Julie Leaper's album or Drake's? One of them where they had so many writers for this one track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, here yeah. this feels like that, like, 
I'm sure if yeah. we looked into it, there'd be like a whole writer's room a for each lot. track. Yeah. I, yeah, I had a look. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it feels like that. It feels like this is designed up by committee. Like they yeah. workshop these ideas. They've like this feels like focus tested music. What 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 lyrics work best for you? What what appeals to you more? <laughs> Mass produced. Is lacking authenticity. I, I guess that's yeah. That's I what think, you have to expect. From I think that that that, that kind of vibe that we're talking about. It's pretty much the same as like the, the kind of super soppy and depressing commercial love songs. There's the Ed Sheeran song, Perfect. There's some mm. of the Lewis Capaldi stuff. I think it affects the authenticity of the message that she says she's trying to put out. And it just yeah. gets very nauseating. And also it it loses meaning. Like it's all the lyrics are here are very vague, lacking depth. Definitely. I, I feel like any kind of meaning gets lost when you start having commercialized more it. than three, four, five, six, seven, like <laughs> exactly. going, the amount of writers that, that exactly. worked on this. Let's wrap this up. Let's start scoring. What, what are you thinking? Well, I thought that a lot of the songs were just a snooze. I feel there was a bit of filler on this album. I thought the album was very inconsistent. I thought there were a few very mediocre tracks there are a few very good tracks, mm. but it didn't feel like the artistic spectacle that it was made out to be. So with that, because the production is great, but Gaga feels a bit drowned out and not mm. as commanding as her aesthetic suggests, I'm giving this a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10, that's decent. I, I'd some agree bad, with some you. Good. It was a very mixed bag. To be honest, there was more that I didn't like than what I did like. So for me, it's a, it's a four out of ten. Ooh. But this isn't made for me, and it's it's so apparent. I, d- I don't really know who this is for, but clearly the a masses. lot of people because of the numbers. Yeah. Even then, I don't I don't personally know anyone listening to Lady Gaga these days. <laughs> it's number weird, one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We're gonna get into conspiracy soon. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, best of luck to her and all that. But yeah, yeah. I, I think this is, there's potential here. And I think this album could have been a lot better in places. I just wanted to do some weird shit, man. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think probably not. that's what she's in music for. But yeah, let's do Banana. Yes. <laughs> so album two today is a very special album. It turned one on Sunday. This is my favorite album of the 2010s. It is called Bandana by Freddie Gibbs oh, yes. and Madlib. Now, this is the follow-up to their 2014 full-length debut, Piñata. Another amazing album. And the pairing between Madlib and Freddie Gibbs, it's an unlikely combination. Obviously, Madlib's production is very off-kilter and experimental. And Freddie, he's a great rapper, but he's never done anything too, too out there. So, yeah, this was a match made in heaven, pretty much. Madlib, the beat conductor, the loop digger, the genius behind Quasimoto, <laughs> and Gangster Gibbs, Freddie Kane, Gangsta Gibbs, Skinny yeah. Shug, together. This this was my first foray into Mad Gibbs, because I'd not actually heard Pinata before listening to this. So, and I have to say, it did take me a while to get used to Freddie Gibbs. Obviously, I'd heard Madlib before, and I was a big fan of him. But Freddie Gibbs' rapping yeah, took me a little me while too. to get me too. into 
And I'd say that's the same with all my favorite rappers, to be honest. MF Doom, Danny Brown, they all took me a minute to get into because the first time you hear them, they sound a bit weird and not what you used to. But after a while, it doesn't take long before you realize the genius of them. And Freddie Gibbs is right up there with them. And this is an insane album, man. Like every everything since as well, Pinata, I've listened to of Freddie Gibbs. He, he just new styles constantly. He had Freddie with Kenny Beats, which was an insane album. Just like if you're into trap, that's your go-to. Yeah. If you like weird boom bappy stuff, he's got that as well. Like he can do everything, man. Absolutely, man. Do you know how um, Madlib has described Freddie's rapping? He has described his rapping like a saxophone. I think that's such a good way of putting it. Yeah, I, li- I like that idea of like hearing hearing a rapper's flow as an instrument. <laughs> exactly. Like, not like, many rappers Danny can Brown do that. Sounds like a trumpet and <laughs> <laughs> a trumpet. <laughs> For me, the first time I heard this album, I listened to it with LG, a friend of the show. It was a very sunny day, and yeah, we were like, "Yo, should we listen to the new the new Madlib album?" And it was actually the first time I ever smoked a backwards. And yeah, we had we, we had that together. It, it was very enjoyable. Did it affect your enjoyment of the of the album? Yes, it did quite a lot. But <laughs> it also brought it to a whole new level that has never dropped since then. One of the brilliant things about this album is that you can always go back to it and get yeah. get something new out of it. It's like an incredibly in depth film filled with Easter eggs. Exactly. That That's you can such a go good way of putting it. Constantly, because you yeah. constantly pick up new bits that you didn't didn't recognize before. And yeah, I think I've got a lot more listens to go of this album. Oh, like, yeah. For the past year, it's been constantly on my rotation. Same, like every man. other week, stick it literally. On. I don't want to wait any longer. Let's get into Let's it. Let's do it. So the first track, "Obrigado," means thank you in Portuguese. It's a beautiful start to the album. It's just a little, little bit, but it, it's so fun. It, I remember when we saw them live, <laughs> we were like, it needs to start off with that. <laughs> we were praying, uh, man. Dun, 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 dun. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I don't know why it's so beautiful, but it is. You, and I think it's all Madlib's fault. Do, do you know something interesting? Yeah. Obviously, Madlib is the sample god. And on this album, mm. he's flexing his ear right it's a superpower like his ear for samples and he actually uses sample packs quite a lot in this album so like for example there's a library it's the kingsway music library music sample pack there's bass lines from Mm. that just goes to show producers if you are ashamed of using sample packs don't be because madlib does as well he made this on his ipad right he did that's a flex (laughs) exactly man (laughs) The, no the one else. That you can make this. I mean, Damon Albarn made a Gorillaz album on his iPad. Did he? And it's widely regarded as one of the worst <laughs> Gorillaz albums. People don't count it as a Gorillaz album. It's just Damon on his iPad. Fucking about. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. But this is some of Madlib's best work. It is, yeah. Ma- uh, Madlib's yeah. production, I feel, just gets better with time. It just ages mm. so well. And a nice bit oh, of yeah. trivia as well for Obrigado. The I Need a Beer Man kind of vocal sample, that's actually from Big Time Watts, who is Freddie's late uncle, who has nice. a song named after him on Piñata called Watts. Bit of fact for you today. <laughs> so the second track, 
the first real track where we get Freddie on is called Freestyle Shit. Oh, man. And this is one of my favorites. They're just both straight in. Flexing, aren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. Off the bat. It's also worth noting there are live performances with the El Michelle's affair of some songs off this album, both yeah. the NPR Tiny Desk concerts, which is classic series, and also the Amazon Diamond Mind Sessions. They do freestyle shit in both of them, and just check those yeah. out. You'll thank yourself, because it really brings I mean, out the musicality of Madlib. 100%. And I've listened to like these songs so much. These instrumentals are iconic to me at this point. Like, just a... Oh, yeah. Did it. it's 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 so beautifully done like no one can touch mad libs production you know when it comes to sample chopping and bandana beats on its own is just an incredible album i'm getting close to playing that just as much as this (laughs) yeah so (laughs) so i rinse that freddie's going off on this as well like it sounds so effortless exactly and the fact that it's called freestyle shit shows he he can just do this in his sleep man the opener should always let you know who's talking and both Freddie and Madlib are letting you know that they are indeed on top form. Here, <laughs> Freddie's talking about his his crack dealing past and the struggle yeah. of making it independently. And the horn flip is incredible. It's from a song by a band called Relevation, Revelation Funk called Elastic Lover. And this is one of my album highlights straight off the bat. But for me, half main, half cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> this blew me away the yeah. first time I heard it. Oh, man. Mad Lib doing Trap. So first of all, yeah, Mad Lib doing Trap. Did not expect that. I mean, he, oh, he said off. in interviews or something that he, he makes Trap, but no one wants to hear it. <laughs> I want to hear um, it. I want to hear it. <laughs> I will say, though, <clears throat> that the first half is great. I love it. But then you get hit with the shut the fuck up. Oh. And then he comes in with the... Half man, half cocaine. Uh, just mix the Tylenol with heroin. That second half is incredible. One of the highlights on the album for me. Do you know that the sample, the main riff for part A, is actually a Frank mm. Dukes sample? And we mentioned him because he's been on quite a lot of pop stuff, such as the Weekends right. album. Yeah, this is a Frank Dukes sample um, right. from the Kingsway Library again. The title is actually derived from a song called Death Wish, um, which was a collab yeah. with DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill and Doom himself. So if you're a fan right. of NF Doom and if you're a fan of Freddie Gibbs, listen to this track because it's them on the same track. Back to this song. It's split into two parts. Part one is half man. Part two is half cocaine. So part one is basically Freddie talking about his life you know, his wealth, his bitches, etc. And he's talking about what brings him pleasure as a man. But part two is more gritty. Whoa, we get that beautifully aggressive switch up and he starts talking yeah. about his dirty money and the means of making it. And it's a different side to him. And it's a great example of Freddie, you know, how he describes the hustle and what goes on behind yeah. the scenes to acquire the luxuries that he describes in Half Man. It's very raw yeah. and it's very brutal. And it's very beautiful. So you're talking about two sides really well there. And that leads us quite nicely on to the next track, Crime Pays. Oh, yeah. Which was the big single. And it's the, it's the first one I play to everyone if they, if they want to hear about yeah. this album. Yeah, the crime pays, nigga, crime pays. Chopping up the change for cocaine in my microwave. Made it through my whole month with my lights out. I seen brighter day. 
What's this shit getting me? How boy, you live and you die by the sky? This encapsulates everything I love about Mad Gibbs. Can, can I just say, this is the perfect song if ever there was one. Yeah. Because, <laughs> oh man, that, that soulful sample. <laughs> and then you get Freddie Gibbs coming in. Crime pays. Just coke rap and sorcery mixed with the soulful singing that's beautifully interwoven. I've heard nothing like it before. I feel like we have to talk about the, the sample here, though, and how Mad Libs flips it, because it switches between the sections so effortlessly. Yeah, it's like butter melting into yeah. your toast. Oh, oh, it's, it sounds so good, it's isn't like it? It's just the, a the transition. Yeah. It's the transition between Freddie's spitting, Freddie's aggressive spitting about his lifestyle, and Walt Bar's singing. It just feels so natural and perfect. You know, it's lush, it's floating, and oh man, it's just so fucking good, man. It's so good. I love this beat so we, much. I mean, we, we were talking about when we did Alfredo, we were talking about how Alchemist kind of knits his beats <laughs> and it, the, the samples are interwoven so beautifully. You know, if, if he's knitting a scarf, this is a whole jumpsuit, mate. This is a whole onesie, you know? <laughs> Nailed it. The, the full piece. Nailed it, man. Nailed it. This song acts as like a sequel to Thuggin' of Piñata in many ways. Mm. And the sentiment of the song is actually echoed in a line in Something to Rap About of Alfredo. And it's basically that crime does indeed pay, but then you got to pay the man. And that's summarised very well in the line, Diamonds in my chain, yeah, slang, but I'm still a slave. Twisted in the system, just a number listed on the page. You know, it's the mentality of being on top of the system and making it, which has become such a popular theme recently with the likes of the Migos. You know, but you're still just a slave to the system. And I feel like that sentiment in itself has been vocalised more recently with artists like Nipsey Hussle and even 21 Savage placing a big yeah. emphasis on investing in assets instead of just wasting your money on drip. And yeah, this was also a theme on Run the Jewels 4 and later on in this album as well. I, I absolutely love this man it's another yeah. example as well of a really good juxtaposition between the lush beat and Fred's vicious raps and tales man yeah. like his lyricism here it's almost drill-esque oh, I can't stress enough how beautiful the juxtaposition of the instrumental and what exactly. he's rapping about exactly. is it's just that so masterfully done makes it incredible and that's before you even hear it Exactly. Like just the sound sonically, how it's interwoven. There's there's so much to this song. If I had to choose a favourite of the decade, right now that's sitting quite quite up. No there. contest for me. At the end, there's these crazy little bits of Mad Lib kind of just fucking about. And that switch of vibe leads us very nicely into massage seats. And I felt that this was one of the weirdest beats in this album. It samples a mm. bit from Dance Hall Part One of the reggae dancehall album by Tennessee called Tennessee Lives On. Mm. And yeah, this track is basically 50-50 flexing and reminding us that he's authentic and he does it for his people. You know, there's so much yeah. clever lyricism in this track. For example, me and money make holy matrimony, which is basically him saying married to the money, but everyone fucking says that. So he's saying yeah. we make holy matrimony because that's a clever way of saying it. And Freddie's clever, so he can. It's just two minutes of 
Freddie going off, Madlib, yeah, doing his thing. It's weird ass beat. Yeah, nothing to hate about this one. There's also it. the line, "This ain't for soccer mummers, it's for the underground," which basically sums up Freddie's yeah. career, and it ties in with mm. his whole ethos, you know, doing shit independently and not for commercial yeah. reasons. But yeah, I absolutely love this track, man. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. I can say that about every single track on this album, so I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> it's one of those, like, we can't do it justice just talking about it, isn't it? Like, if you haven't listened to it, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into Palm Olive. We get our first features and fucking hell. Oh. Killer Mike and Pusha T. On the same track. On the same track. Freddie gives a mad lib. Okay, I, I will admit... I was kind of hoping for a hard ass killer Mike verse. He didn't quite get that on this. And I hope that he's given that chance on their next album. Like I'd, I'd really love Run the Jewels to be featured on it. You see, this was a very common criticism of this album because people wanted Mike to have a full verse. And okay, yeah. I would have loved that. Like, but, I'm, but I'm not, I'm taking nothing away oh, from yeah, this track yeah, yeah, by absolutely. saying that, first of all. I just, when we got the track list, that's what I was expecting. Yeah. But I think that he does the hook so well, I don't feel like I've missed anything. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah. I think on any other instrumental, I would have felt like, okay, yes, it's good, but it would have been better if he had a verse. I don't feel like I've I've been robbed of anything here. Pusher is snarling Mm. his way through his verse. Him and Freddie do this coke rap style so well. So to hear them on the same <laughs> like, track with Mike breaking up their verses and on top of a Mad Lib beat just makes for an insane piece of music. One thing I should have said when we were talking about Crime Pays, but it's true of the whole album, is that I will play this album loud when I'm in my car and I don't care, sunglasses on, I feel <laughs> yeah, cool exactly, as shit. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. There's no other album that's better for doing that. Exactly. We could also probably just spend a good 30 minutes breaking down pretty much every bar on this song. Obviously, Freddie opens up the song with fucking my pastor daughter and two Jesus pieces. And nobody puts on the rapper persona better than Freddie. Like, he seems like a lovely guy in his interviews and that. But yeah. when he's rapping, he is this other entity. And he's so yeah. good at painting a picture. There's also a lot of social commentary on this track. For example, there's a bar about the dangers of vaccines and there's also, we've got a reality star in the goddamn office. On Pusher's verse, he addresses similar issues like it was Snowfall and Reagan gave me a visual which addresses the CIA's involvement in the 1980s crack epidemic. Oh yeah, and, I love yeah. Pusher's verse on here. Like, I'd never really delved into clips or his previous work. It was that album that he did recently with Kanye, Daytona that like put him on the map for me and that's how I got into him really so hearing this I, w- I was straight into it I love Pusher now he's he's easily becoming one of my you favorite you see um, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you I'm not even that big of a Pusher fan it's just something about him I don't really like but on this song he sounds incredible you couldn't mm. really get a better feature and we also have to talk about the samples as well Shout out the Silvers for their song Cry of a Dreamer. And we will come back onto that very, very shortly. You'll see why. Um, there's also a sketch at the end of this track, Dap Sugar Willie. Um, 
But yeah, that leads us into fake names. Shit's so real, got to use fake names. Exactly. I'm sorry, but mostly because of this beat, this is one of my favourite songs on the album. Is it my favourite? I don't know, but it's definitely definitely up there. There's the most beautiful switch-up that you've ever heard in your life. And it samples the same song as Palmolive, Cry of a Dreamer, which is Mm. why I mentioned it. But it samples a completely different part of the song. What you were mentioning about Alchemist, in that he he always saves the best part of a sample for later in the song. Madlib's one step ahead. He's saving the best part of a sample for later in the album. Oh, I fucking love this. Again, the main sample in part A is from a sample pack, this time from Patchbanks. Lyrically, it's a very gritty, harrowing account of trapping. And it describes the ins and outs of the drug trade and it's cutthroat in nature. And he tells us a very vivid story of some first-hand experience. I love that lyric. They put yellow boy on the evening news, devil on my shoulder, said fuck friends because cash rules. It's dark. The the premise of the song and the hook especially is essentially that the shit's so dangerous. He has to use fake names because the lifestyle is no joke. You know, Mm. ain't going to say your government, I'm going to call him by Ricky G. Yeah. The second verse is from a different perspective. It's a more retrospective, braggadocious perspective. So this song's essentially showing both sides to it instead of just glorifying it for sales, which I feel a lot of rappers yeah. have done. I'd definitely recommend checking out the Colors performance of mm. this if you haven't, because that's insane as well. I don't know why Colors, it's got a very distinct sound to it. It's not just live. It's, they've, they've got their own own sound going on there. And um, it's... Amazing it's to color. hear it. <laughs> so it's got its own colour here. Yeah. Should we go on to Flat Tummy T? Oh yeah. Track eight, Flat Tummy T. This, this was one of the singles. Yeah. And yeah, it's just it's just so fun. Like it's not really about Flat Tummy T other than, you know, the one lyric. But yeah, it's it's such a fun track. How do we describe the instrumentals better? This because saying they're incredible, amazing for everyone isn't gonna work. Well, I would say that Flat Tummy T is the banger of the album. The, the yeah. shit's just extremely hard. There's no other way to put it. Freddie's touching on like a million subjects in this. Yeah, it feels like he goes so in-depth into all of them. You know, he talks about crack cooking. Mm. He talks about fake people. He talks about slavery, the evils of the government, yeah. kind of stupidity, hypocrisy, etc., etc., etc. One of my favorite things he does in this track as well is how he describes America as a corporation because that's a pretty good description. Mm. America was the name of their fucking exactly, company. Exactly, exactly. It's also, you mentioned the song's title. Now, he says, I'll be all in these bitches' stomach, like flat tummy tea. Now, that could mean fucking bitches, but it could also, right? It could also <laughs> mean the smoke of the crack that he has cooked being ingested into the stomachs of his customers. <laughs> like flat tummy tea. And it's this, the sure, double entendre. I guess, I, maybe. Because he's saying... He's in people's stomachs. I, I feel like it was just a funny lyric, to be honest. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you could take it one step further. He said in an interview that he tried flat tummy tea and it gives you the shits. Mm. So he could also be saying he's a shit. Right. Sure. <laughs> There's a switch up in this there song is. as well. It's a really, really great switch up. Um, before mm. it, there is a Bruce Lee sample. And yeah great track as with all of the tracks up until this point so we then progress on to track nine situations 
And this is the first properly mellow song on the album. Freddie talks a lot about the stuff he's seen. And it's, it's a very introspective, raw cut. Um, he mentions his Uncle Eddie, who he references on Skinny Shug, also off Alfredo. And it's a really, really fucked up track. But it's honest. And that's that's mm. a great thing about this album is it's so many sides to Freddie. You get all these different perspectives of him and his lifestyle. And this is a change of pace, but it's it's needed and it's executed at a really great point in the album, I think. Oh yeah, the the flow of this album's great as well. Like just sticking it on, going through the whole thing. It's a it's a ride, man. Exactly. It's exactly. Bit of trivia as well. If you listen closely at around 30 seconds, there are some Mac Miller ad-libs from Mad Lib's work with, with Mac. Homage to his, his fallen friend, rest in peace, Mac Miller. We also have um, another sketch at the end, this time, the cussing pasta, talking about negativity. Fuck the negativity. Fuck them all. And that takes us into Yanis featuring Anderson oh, yeah. Pack. Anderson back, who we mentioned earlier this episode, can just give you the fucking best chorus. He instantly turns any song into a banger. And on this, it's no difference. I remember I went to the gig wearing an Anderson Pack hoodie and people were singing this hook to me as I walked out. <laughs> it was great. This song's just silky, silky smooth, man. It's built around this, oh, yeah. this Bollywood sample, Asman mm. Kenish. And yeah, it's so fucking smooth. Madlib really likes Bollywood on this album as well. We hear it again in education. And yeah, there's a bit of James Brown's Say It Loud on Black and Proud interjected everywhere as well. Iconic tune. Freddie's lyric starts off with a Scarface reference. Again, we've mentioned Scarface. So good. Love this. Every morning I wake up with my daughter Dora Explorer they get right back to the <laughs> pot kitchen stanking that's potty training. Who else is going to compare Crack and Dora Explorer, man? <laughs> but the title is genius too, man. It references mm. a Lil Wayne line, right? I only got this once I was doing my research. But real G's move in silence like lasagna. That's off six foot, seven foot. That's such a funny lyric, man. I love that. <laughs> there is a basketball player called Yanis Antetokounmpo, Greek guy. Obviously, Silent G, it's a play on the words, yeah. reference to Lil Wayne. But yeah, everything about this track. You you can't not like this track. If you don't like this track, yeah. I don't trust you. Simple as. Like even, we talked about Anderson Pack's chorus, but even his verse oh, yeah. is so smooth. It's smooth and elegant. Like his, his rapping is so unique. Like no one does it like him. Maybe like we, we've compared him to Brother Ali kind of in that they're very soulful. Yeah. But even them, they have very unique voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one does it like them, man. I feel like Pac and Madlib are a match made in heaven, unparalleled. It just, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Both soulful in their own rights. That takes us on to track 11, which is called Practice. Now, this is essentially the slow, kind of sad jam of the album. It's kind of the most down-to-earth from Freddie's perspective. And the beat, man, is beautiful, quintessential Madlib in terms of the soul sample that he's used. It's from Donny Hathaway, who is the man behind the sample 
for Lil Ghetto Boy of The Chronic. It's a fun fact for you. But yeah, lyrically, it's Freddie admitting his mistakes when it comes to relationships. And it's where he sounds the most open and vulnerable about his emotions. And yeah, as I said earlier, you know, I feel like all across this album, I've been let into so many different parts of Fred's mind and I understand him so much better. Mm, definitely. Verse one's about his his relationship with his woman and verse two explores his relationship with the streets and the whole thing just makes you feel like he's extremely stressed and this is him getting it all out. You know, Freddie's been through a lot, man. If you know about his, mm. his case in Austria, which we'll come on to in a bit, and obviously he's got all these yeah. personal problems on top of it. He's a very resilient guy. He's been through a lot, stays strong, but he still doesn't sacrifice his sense of humor. For example, got a cougar bitch in the boonies, that pussy I knocked the dust off. Beautiful, beautiful. And then we go into cataracts. This is my favorite beat on the album. Really? Yes, I can definitely say that. <laughs> it's so smooth. It's, like, like it's, it's hard to say that because like every instrumental on here is so good. But this, it wasn't even the first time I heard it. It was when I listened to the instrumentals album. This one stood out to me as just being so smooth. Like mm. this needs to be the exit music when we Yeah, that's what it feels like walkout it's, music. Yeah. It's the perfect <laughs> walkout music. And Freddie Gibbs is going off as well. He's talking about a bit about religion as well, mm. which he hasn't done much on this album, and he, he's he's done more now. Freya, I feel like he does um, towards the end of the yeah, album. I, is, I feel, but yeah, I, I like the lyric to me: "The God of Lies, the Black Man Personified." The sample you mentioned, the sample how smooth it is. That's from a song called "Teach Me How" by a band called We, and again, Madlib finds the most obscure shit and just flips it so brilliantly. This track feels like the one Freddie's having the most fun. Lyrically on, um, it's a very big contrast to practice. And in some ways, it feels like a very retrospective cut in kind of how triumphant it feels. There's also a very dirty, very dark switch up where his vocals get all filtered and it's just a complete change of vibe, but it's, it works brilliantly. He, mm. he mentions Lean again. He did this in Flat Tommy T with the line, overdosed off a styrofoam cup, how the master gone find us. But here he's admitting that he had his own problems with it, with the line, 2014, mm. addicted to lean, I was depressed as fuck. Now he said that since he's had kids, he's looked back on him when he was sipping lean and he resents the fact that he did it because that's some junky shit, despite the fact that it's been yeah. popularized. But yeah, again, very honest, very raw. And again, it's just demonstrating his versatility. And, you know, we've got, what, three tracks left and there have been no misses so far. Yeah. And if we go on to Gut Damn... The most soulful track of the is, album. Oh, yeah. He's getting his singing voice on <laughs> yeah. It's like a R&B piece. It's just, yeah, Freddie's singing. Do you know what it's like here? He's like, up until this point in the album, because he's been rapping so fucking hard, he's like, do you know what? That shit's so good. Fuck it, I don't care. I'm going <laughs> to sing. And if it sounds shit, yeah. whatever, because the rest of it's amazing. And it's just, yeah. oh, it's just his personality just it comes off, through. Obviously, shines through. He's not the greatest singer in the world. But do you care when you're listening no. to this? It's just, well, give a shit. <laughs> you get the vibe and he's having fun. And that's all you can ask. Exactly. 
the video for this is beautiful as well, man. It's some soul train oh, yeah. shit. And yeah, <laughs> the live performance in this is also great as well. But yeah, lyrically again, this song sums up quite a lot of the album's themes. It talks about mm. the struggle as well as what it's amounted to, you know, reality and shit he has experienced and stuff like that. He yeah. also touches on his experiences in jail when he was falsely accused of rape in Austria. And that is such a fucked up case because not only was it a fake allegation, but it turned out that he was indicted off a dream, off the woman's dream. And that stood up in court. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. I don't know the ins and outs of the case, but I've read some interviews with Freddie where he's describing it. And he said that he memorized most of Mad Lib's beats. And about 80% of Bandana was written to Mad Lib's beats in his head while he was locked up. And, oh mm. man, again, testament to the power of Mad Lib and the raw talent of Freddie. Nothing but respect. Track 14 is Education, featuring Mos Def, now called Yassine Bey, and Black Thought, who is from The Roots. This is another Bollywood sample, this time from Mukti, which is a Bollywood film. And it's one of the grittiest beats on this. And I believe this song actually dates back a few years, as in a 2013 interview on Mad Lib's medicine show, you can see him playing a snippet of the song. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Um, so he's that. obviously been sitting on this, keeping it warm for a, for a while. <laughs> They've been very sparing with the features on this album, but I feel like each one mm. slaps in its own right. And this is no exception. Yeah. It's a very conscious, critical track, talking about the system as a whole. One of my yeah. favorite lyrics on Mos Def's verse is, where is the sky in Upside Downland? You say that, you just, you just think. It just really, really oh, yeah. makes you think. That both him and Blackford, they sound so perfect on this instrumental. Exactly, exactly. Like they fit so well. I, I think the whole track comes together beautifully. Just all three rappers have incredible verses. Exactly, exactly. I love this. It's, it's again, honest. He's starting to wrap up the album. Mm, Freddie, even we stay so high, that's why we can't come up. He's spoken about Lean in this album. He's spoken about even really, really, really excessive weed use, you know, cocaine, crack, all of that. And yeah, he's he's admitting it. He's not just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, it's cool, it's cool, like other rappers. He's he's real with himself. I like how all their verses end with education rather than like yeah. forcing in the verse. Yeah, exactly. Just tie exactly. them all up like that. So good. It's, it's hooking the own right. And the different delays each time as well, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Brilliant, brilliant. I love this. is one of my favorites right. as well. And then, so right. The finale. This is basically what decides if this is going to be a perfect album. So no pressure. What do you think of this one? I thought it's beautiful. I think it's really good. Um, you've probably got the information on what the sample is, but I'm pretty sure it's from when we went to see them live. There was an act yeah. that were really, really weird. Yeah, they were an insane band to see live. With like, the hurdy-gurdy as well. Seen <laughs> Hurdy gurdy, I've never seen anything like them in my life. And it was wonderful. And yeah, I've, that makes this song even better for me. Yeah. It's it's the final cut on the album. And you know, it's it, it feels like a conclusion to to everything, both musically and thematically, that's been mm. prevalent up until this point in the previous 14 tracks. And it's, it's like an ode yeah. to the journey and where it's going to go from here. Yeah. And yeah, as you said, the very smooth, soulful beat, 
switches into a heliocentric sample. Very, very, very dark flip. We've also got a sample from a Moog called Set. And yeah, this, that's also used on Yes, So Whatever, the song Brothers Can't See Me. Madlib knows his shit when it comes to sampling. Um, and yeah, I don't think he could have wrapped up this album better. Oh yeah, the, the chorus is great. <clears throat> it works with the instrumentals so well, and it, it like it's like a gentle fade out to the album. It's beautiful. Exactly, absolutely. So we've broken down each of the fifteen tracks. What do we think overall? Overall, I mean, we, we've stated from the beginning that this is an incredible album. There's not a dull moment. Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib. I mean, honestly, I, I used to laugh when people said Mad Gibbs over Mad Villainy. <laughs> but now, you know, like, if they're coming out with a third album as strong as this. Oh, my God. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's difficult. But yeah, no, definitely this album's insane. I've got no bad words to say about it. I've got no bad words to say about it. I've got no bad words to say about it. I have got one bad thing to say about it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not really a bad thing. I've said it before, but Killer Mike needs a verse on the next album. Oh, okay. Otherwise, we write okay. it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Then he run the jewels as a feature. <laughs> Mad Lib and run I, the I jewels. Bet, I bet LP was missing out, like being on a Mad Lib beat. I bet he'd love that. <laughs> yeah. This album's brilliant, man. Mad Lib is the production god. He's been doing this for nearly three decades now and he never misses. He only gets better over time. And if his career and quality trajectory is anything to go by, the third album, the third Mad, Lib- Mad Gibbs album is going to be even better. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I can't Hopefully. wait. Even the cover art for this album has so many layers to it. you got... Mm. The pink car from the unseen. You got Quasimodo on the zebra, which is representing Freddie Gibbs, and you got Hollywood burning. You know all the fake shit. You know it doesn't matter. That's all going up in smoke, and you can yeah. just stare at it for hours and just interpret it in so many different ways. There isn't anything that I dislike about this album, even the fact that Killer Mike doesn't have a verse. I think him on the hook is perfect. Honestly, perfect albums don't come that often. I gave Run the Jewels 4 a 10, but that's very different to this, I feel. This yeah. is, I think, in 50 years' time, will still be just as good, if not better. Yeah. And that is very hard to do. I think for me, so when I first listened to this album, I would have rated it an 8 out of 10. That's creeped up to a 9. And it's creeping up and up. So maybe in, in 10 years, for me, it'll be a 20 out of 10. <laughs> but who knows? But right now, I don't know if I can give it a full fat 10. Because I, 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 feel, I feel like I'm more critical. I, <clears throat> I didn't give Run the Jewels the 10. So I, I don't know. For, for me, To Pimp a Butterfly is a 10. And I feel like that's there's so many layers and depth to that. Like, don't get me wrong, this isn't, this has layers and depth, but for me to pimp a butterfly is still a step above anything else I've heard. <sighs> I genuinely do. And for me, I think 
I've got to place it just under 10, so maybe oh. around 9.5, 9.7, 9. 9. somewhere between oh, there. Oh, mate. Now my heart, <laughs> it's like you just, you just driven a knife into it, man. But like I said, when I first heard it a year ago, I, it was an 8 out of 10 for me. Mm. It's grown on me, so it may continue to still grow. Yeah. Maybe a 20 out of 10 in two years. I definitely enjoy it, it more now than when I first heard it. Yeah. But fair enough. I know, I know a lot of people say that they prefer piñata. As amazing as piñata is, this definitely flows better as an album. I think I, they, I the chemistry is more established as well. When I first listened to piñata, I thought they were on the same level. And then I found myself going back to this one a lot more. Mm. I think the songs are better on here. I don't know. They're, I think they're, As far they're as a full worse. album, I think this is this is better. Yeah, and I, th- I think Freddie Gibbs has improved. I think the Mad Lib beats are just as strong as they were on Piñata. Uh, yeah. I just found myself coming back to this one more. So to wrap up, if you haven't already worked it out, for me, I'm scoring this a three and a half out of ten. <laughs> and yeah. With that, that's Bandana, Madlib and Freddie Gibbs. Cool. Safe. So I guess next week I'm not quite sure what we're doing. We might be doing Pop Smoke if he if he does if drop that album's coming out. That's down to fifty cent. Uh so we'll <laughs> see what happens with that. Did you see uh Virgil did the artwork did the like cover up. West Side yeah, Gums I've, one? I've only seen it briefly. It's not blowing me away. There, there's been a big controversy about it, and Why? apparently they're redoing the artwork. What's the controversy? People hated it. Well, it's just ugly. Apparently, it looks shit. Yeah. yeah, it didn't look great. It looked like a quick Photoshop edit. Yeah. So they're re- <laughs> redoing that. So if the album does come out, we will be doing it next week. If not, let's see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So thank you for listening today. We've had an amazing album. And a not so great one. The mixed bag. Obviously, obviously, I'm referring to Banana with that second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lady, Lady <laughs> Gaga was perfect album. Masterpiece. <laughs> cool. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.